You know, I get around other ministers and hear their ministry and you always want to try, man, I, you know, I need to do as good as them and stuff. I imagine musicians probably do the same thing and stuff like that. But you know what? God's made everyone of us unique and we just, there's benefit to just being ourselves. And we're always trying to change and polish ourselves up. And yet God has made us the way that we are. And, and I tell you, I just love Dave Hinton the way he is. Amen. If he became somebody else, I wouldn't enjoy him near as much. He's, he's awesome. Praise God. You know, uh, Greg started with the funny. I had um, Wendell was saying he wished he could have heard the rest of that story about the Dallas Cowboy game when his wife came in and turned it off. And Dave leaned over and says, that was his first wife. I thought I'd start with the funny. I had, you know, I got 20 minutes, so might as well. But anyway, I heard about this new super Walmart husband store where you go to buy a husband and it's six stories tall. And they had this big sign there that, uh, you know, each progressive floor on up to the sixth floor, uh, the husbands get better and better and better. And you can go in and pick which one you want and select a husband, but the catch was that once you went up a floor, you couldn't come back down. The only exit was through the fire escape. So anyway, this woman went in and on the first floor, all of the husbands there had a job. And she says, well, that's pretty good. Amen. To have a husband that has a job, but she says, I'm going to go up to the second floor. So on the second floor, all of the husbands, there was a sign, all the husbands had a job and they love kids. And she says, well, that's good. I wonder what's on the third floor. So she went up to the third floor and all of the husbands had a job, loved kids and were handsome. She thought, man, this is awesome. She says, I'm going to go up one more floor. So she went up to the fourth floor. They all had a job. They all loved kids. They were all handsome and they would cook and clean and do all those kind of things. And she says, man, that's pretty good. She says, I'm going to go up another one. So she went up another floor. They all had jobs. They could all, they all loved kids. They were all drop dead, handsome. They were, they would clean, they would do this and they would be faithful to, you know, forever. And she says, man, this is nearly too good to be true. I wonder what could possibly be on the sixth floor. She says, I'm going to chance it. So she went up there. When she got off the elevator, there was a sign that said, congratulations. You are the 32 millionth woman to come on the sixth floor. And there are no husbands up here. This proves that you women are looking for the perfect man. And there are none. Says, please exit by the stairs. (laughs) Praise God. Anyway. I've been talking about how you can be a success. And, you know, I had a lot of other stuff I was going to be sharing, but really it just boils down to that a success is loving God and having a relationship with God. And then whatever God tells you to do, if it's big, well then do it. And you know what? You don't get the credit. God gets the credit. If it's small, do it. And you know what? You don't get the credit. God gets the credit. And if we would do that, I tell you, it would just totally renovate everything. I want to go back to the, one of the very first verses that I used on Thursday night. 
And that's Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. These are the verses that God, the very first time God ever spoke to me through scripture was Romans 12, one and two. And it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is the byproduct of being a living sacrifice. And that's God's order. That's the way that he intended it to be. And what I want to focus on is just the first phrase of that first verse where he says, I beseech you by the mercies of God. And you know, you could take all of the things that I've talked about, about being a living sacrifice. We use the examples of all of these people. Last night, I focused on Nebuchadnezzar and how he accomplished so much, basically conquered the whole world, but thought it was all by himself. And he had to come to the end of himself to recognize that, man, it was God that had exalted him and had made all of these things possible. And when he finally humbled himself and his reason returned unto him, then there was added unto him excellent majesty and all of these things, because now he had humbled himself before God. And so you could take all of these things and you could submit to God out of fear and out of, uh, you know, just a sense that God's going to get you and stuff. And I tried to make it clear last night that, you know, God humbled Nebuchadnezzar, but that's not the way he will deal with us. First Peter chapter five says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. God doesn't humble you. If you, if it's done to you, it's humiliation. It's not humility. Humility has to be voluntary and God is not going to knock us flat of our face and things like that. And I don't want anybody trying to be a living sacrifice out of just simply debt or obligation or fear that God's going to make your life crash and burn. That starts by saying that uh, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice. And I'm telling you, brothers, it's the goodness of God. Romans 2, 4, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. If we ever had a glimpse of how good God is, every person in here would be a stark, raving, mad fanatic. Any person in here that just isn't, I mean, overwhelmed with God and loving him and serving him with all of your heart, it's because you don't know who God is. And religion has done a terrible job of representing God. And they've presented God as a harsh God. And we've got people here from every different background that you could imagine. And I can guarantee you, you bring a lot of baggage with you. And the reason, the only reason, I know some of you will disagree with this statement, but the only reason you aren't just fanatical about God is because you just don't know how good he is. If people ever knew how much God loves you. And if they ever knew that God's plans for you are better than your plans for yourself, man, you would give up. You would submit yourself to God. You would trust him. You would step out and obey him in a heartbeat because the best friend that you'll ever have is God. He is not here to hurt you. Religion has said God's one that puts sickness and disease in your life. God's one that punishes you. God's one that makes you miserable God does all of these things. When I was 12 years old, I remember I was getting ready for church and dressing uh, to go to church. And I remember that the pastor came over to my house about six o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock in the morning. 
And I knew something was up. And he sat down and he says, God needed your dad in heaven more than you needed him. And your dad died and went home. And he blamed God for the whole thing. and Said it was God that took my dad home. And that's the way that religion operates and say, God's the one that controls everything and every bad thing that's happened in your life. It's God doing it to you. But I'm telling you, that is not what the Bible teaches. God is not the one who puts sickness on you. If somebody dies, I couldn't tell you how many funerals I've been to and people say, well, we don't know, you know, the ways of God are higher than our ways. We don't know why God took this person. They just assume that if a person dies, they say their time was up as if God's got a date circled on a calendar. And if a person dies, they can't die unless it's God's will. That is not so. The Lord told us not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because when we do, we're going to die. And it says that we're the ones that ushered death in. We're the ones that allowed the devil to come. Hebrews chapter two, I believe it's around verse 14 or something that says that Jesus came to destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. God's not the one that ushers in death. God's not the one that causes divorce. God's not the one that causes hurt and pain. God isn't doing these things. Religion has misrepresented God and people are blaming God. You know, uh, Ted Turner, who uh, has Turner Broadcasting, and I think he's the owner of uh, the Atlanta Braves and anyway, really influential in our society today. He was raised in a Presbyterian church and his his, uh, sister and him were real close. And when they were little kids, the uh, sister had some kind of a disease and died and the Presbyterians told him, that God took your sister, that it must've been God's will, that there was some reason for it. And Ted Turner says, if there is a God, I hate him. And he now will say that he's either an atheist or an agnostic, but if there is a God, he hates him. And he has said of his own free will that he is doing everything he can to change the Judeo-Christian ethics of the United States. And he has put out movies and he does things and uses his influence to try and turn people away from the Christian uh, belief system. And you know why? Because people blame God for all of that. And I'm telling you, you may not agree with this, but it is absolutely true that if we ever got a glimpse of how good God is, and if we saw him as he really is, every one of us would, would give everything we've got to serve him and to love him because God is the best thing that's ever happened to you. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. The NIV says a hope and a future. God's thoughts towards you are peace. They aren't judgment. God's not not, not out to get you. And some of you think you don't know what I've done. You don't know what God's done. You don't understand that whatever you've done, it doesn't even compare with what God has done. God commended his love toward us, Romans 5, 8, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us after we had already changed our life up and turned around and therefore now we're good enough for God to love. God loved us while we were yet sinners and he died for you. God's love is not conditional upon your goodness. And it's amazing how that we have these religious lens 
that have presented God as this harsh, mean, judgmental, demanding person. And if you knew anything about scripture, if you read scripture without religious doctrine lenses, you would see the goodness and the mercy of God. Did you know that Abraham failed big time, big time? He lied about his wife because he was, she was so beautiful the first time at 70 something years old, he thought somebody would kill him to get his wife. And then when she was 91 years old, he was so afraid that uh, Abimelech would kill him to take his wife. She was so beautiful at 91 years old that he lied. And he said, she's my sister, help yourself. And she was taken into Pharaoh's harem and into Abimelech's harem. And he lied to save his own life. You know, we read that in scripture and sometimes people don't think about it, but that's wrong. That's wrong. That'd be like me traveling to one of these countries, you know, and, and people see my wife and say, man, I like her. And they come to me and I say, I've never seen this woman before. Help yourself. And she's saying, Andrew. And I said, who? I've never seen you before. You know what? That'd be wrong. Abraham was wrong. Abraham was willing to let a man violate his wife to save his own neck. That's a failure. And then when God told him he was going to have a son, it didn't work out. And so finally his wife said, well, maybe you should go into my maid. And uh, there's no instance in scripture that he argued with Sarah over this. He just went in and he had an Ishmael. And did you know what? That wasn't God's will. He failed. Abraham was a failure. Well, let me rephrase that. Abraham failed, but he wasn't a failure. Abraham knew God. God was merciful to him. God was kind to him and patient, and it took a long time. But here we are over 4,000 years later talking about Abraham as being a great man of God. A lot of scriptures written about him, and he failed. God is not this harsh God that demands that you be perfect. Abraham missed it. Did you know David missed it? David missed it big time. He just went out and committed adultery and murdered the husband of Bathsheba to cover up his adultery. And yet David was a man after God's own heart and God loved him and God promoted him and God took care of him. How is it that we don't see the goodness of God and instead we see only the wrath and the punishment? And there's people sitting right in here because you've done something wrong. You see yourself as a failure. And yet, have you been a greater failure than Abraham was, than David was? And yet God still used them. Did you know that over half of the Bible was written by murderers? Paul was killing people. He wrote half of the New Testament. David murdered a man to cover up his adultery. And he wrote most of the Psalms. And then First and Second Samuel and First Kings. And a portion of first Chronicles was written all about David, about a murderer. Moses is a man that killed the Egyptian and it was not God's will. It was, he was trying to accomplish God's will and thinking that killing a person was the way to do it. And it cost him 40 years in the wilderness. And yet Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible in Psalms chapter 90. Did you know that a large portion, probably a majority of the Bible was written by murderers? And yet we feel like that we've got to do everything right. And if we don't do everything right, God's going to put us on the shelf. When I was in Vietnam, I was trying so hard to serve the Lord and witness for the Lord. And I just constantly failed. It seemed like that the 
I just never was the person I was supposed to be. And I remember thinking, God, you know, I was put out with myself and I thought, I don't love myself. How could you love me? And uh, I thought God put me on the shelf. That's what I used to tell people. I said, you know, I believe that I'm called by God, but man, I just don't live up to it. And I was ready to quit. And that's about the time that God began to start showing me spirit, soul, and body and how he saw me and who I was in the spirit. And I'm telling you, when I began to understand the love of God for me, it just totally, totally changed my life. And I have never gotten over it. Don't ever plan on getting over it. It was March the 23rd, 1968. This coming March the 23rd will be 46 years. And I'm more excited, more in love with the Lord. I understand more today about the grace of God than I did back then. And I'm telling you, if you aren't just absolutely fanatical about God, it's because you've got a misunderstanding of who God is. God is awesome. God's plans for you are better than your plans for yourself. If you would submit yourself to him and love him and spend time with him and unplug from all of the things that this world does to occupy your time and spend time with the Lord, God would change your heart. He would show you direction for your life. There are some of you that aren't excited about your life. And I'm telling you, that's not the way that God intended us to be. It ought to be that when you get up in the morning, you are just thrilled because God is so good and you just nearly can't wait to see what God's going to do with your life. That's the way that he really is. And if that's not you, if you get up and on Monday, you have to go to work and it's blue Monday and stuff. Boy, you've missed God someplace. I'm telling you, uh, a life with God is exciting. God is awesome. God wants you well. God wants to prosper you. God wants your marriage to be the best marriage that it would just be awesome. God wants everything in your life to be good. If it's not going that way, it's not because God has willed it. It's not because God just sees you as a dud and doesn't answer your prayers or something. God's got a perfect plan for every single person. He's never made a piece of junk. He's never made a failure. He's never made a person that wasn't supposed to be I mean, just full of the life of God. That's the way that God created us to be. And if you aren't that way, it's not because God hasn't been faithful. It's because you haven't received. And one of the biggest things is we just do not know who he is. If you knew him, I guarantee you, you'd love God. You'd love God with everything you've got. And so this weekend, I just pray that God has been speaking to you. I know many of you made a commitment that you're going to be a living sacrifice and you can't fulfill that without spending time with the Lord, but you're going to have to renew your mind. And that's the reason that to me, the, one of the biggest things is you've got to get into the word of God and you've got to start reading it with fresh eyes, with an unbiased heart. You got to start learning the truth that God is not the one who's doing all of these things. James chapter one, let no man say When he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights 
with whom is no variableness or shadow of turning. That means it never changes. It's not different for anybody. Only good and perfect gifts. If it's good, it's from God. If it's bad, it's from the devil. And Satan cannot do anything to you without your consent and cooperation. He can't make you sick without you consenting to it. He can't make you poor without consenting to it. He can't destroy your marriage without you consenting to it. You may not want it. You may not pray and say, God, it make me sick. God, destroy my marriage. But he has to get you to where you are indifferent. You're occupied with other things. You're chasing the almighty buck. You are such a fanatic about your passions or whatever that you're neglecting your family or whatever. He has to somehow or another gain your cooperation before Satan can do anything to you. And I'm telling you, the long, the more that we are committed to God and focused on God and giving God our heart, then you will just take away that cooperation with the devil. And Satan doesn't have any way. You'll be like Teflon. Nothing sticks. You can go through life and they, the devil just throws anything at you and nothing sticks. I wish I had better words to try and say what I'm saying, but I'm telling you, God loves us more than you love yourself. God's plans for you are better than your plans for yourself. And so you need to make this commitment and just become a living sacrifice. And then as God starts speaking to you and guiding you, don't, don't doubt, don't revert back to thinking that your wisdom and your plans for your life are better than God's plan. Whatever God tells you to do, if he tells you to go to the deepest, darkest corner of Africa, do it and you'll be happier than you've ever been in your life. I was raised in a church that they would sing, wherever he leads, I'll go. And people would just cry and the missionary would say, God's going to send you to a grass hut in Africa and stuff. And everybody was afraid that if they made a commitment to the Lord, he was going to ask you to do the very thing that you hate. And a friend of mine, he grew up in a grass hut in Africa. And he says, what's wrong with that? He says, I had the nicest grass hut in the village. (laughs) You know what? There's nothing wrong with growing up. Uh, This lady, uh, Dottie Hammond, came from the hollers of West Virginia, had never been out of her holler in her life. I mean, this woman makes me look polished. She was country. She was country. And she came here, she drove all the way from West Virginia across the United States to Colorado, brought me a five gallon jar of pickled venison that she killed and pickled herself. This woman had never been married. She was, I don't know, 50, maybe I don't know, 50 something years old when she came here and she was just as hick and country as she's as any person you'll ever meet in your life. And on her second year missions trip, she went to Kenya and you know what? She fell in love and God told her to go to Kenya and Dottie has dropped everything. And she's been in Kenya now for over 10 years and she's adopted four Kenyan children. She ministers to all kinds of people. She was in a situation where just a block down from her, they, they uh, encircled a church and set it on fire and killed every person in there. And here she is, a white woman in Kenya. And, and God has just supernaturally protected her. And Dottie's over there and she is so happy. Her newsletters are talking about this is the greatest thing, man. Life with Jesus is the greatest life that there's ever been. She loves it. She's talked about, you know, she, the people on her mailing list that she kind of feels sorry for you that you aren't experiencing 
all of the things that she's experiencing over there in Kenya with 500 people down the block being killed and all of this stuff going on. It's just awesome. She went up to a woman who uh, her husband had died. They have nearly 50%, 10 years ago, it was nearly 50% of the, of the men died through AIDS and stuff like this. So lots of widows, lots of orphans. And she went to a widow's house and the grass on the top of the hut had, uh, had died. And Dottie went over and for $5 reseeded her grass hut. And this woman came out and just crying. And she says, nobody's ever done anything like this for me. Nobody's ever loved me. Nobody's ever taken care of me. Nobody cares what happens to me. And Dottie said, you're totally wrong. You've got somebody that has loved you your whole life. And she told her about Jesus and she got born again. And Dottie now has all of these widows that she ministers to and helps. And this woman, I tell you what, it's just awesome. And Dottie's richer than people that are over here that have millions of dollars and everything else. I'm telling you, your life doesn't consist in all of these external things. It's all about relationship with God. And so I just want to encourage every one of you, if you've already got a good relationship with the Lord, man, you need to press in and make it better. And if you've been doing your own thing and just giving God a nod every once in a while, but your life hasn't been committed to Him, I just encourage you to make a total commitment of your life to the Lord by the mercies of God. It's for your own good. It's because of the goodness of God's what leads you to repentance. I encourage you to just totally sell yourself out to God. And if you would do that, I guarantee you, you cannot be serving yourself and serving God at the same time. You are going to have to come to the end of yourself. And when you do, you'll find out that everything else works better. There's some of you that your marriage is on the rocks. You're having trouble. And I guarantee you, you've been praying that God will change your wife. You don't have the authority to change your wife, wife or life. All you've got the authority to do is to humble yourself and let God change you. And if you would let God change you, you would be shocked how much your wife would change. If your wife started living with somebody who treated like her like a queen, then she'd treat you like a king. And so instead of praying that God change everything out here and change all these things, let God change your heart and you will get to a place where, man, it's just awesome. So anyway, we're out of time today, but I just want to encourage you that God wants you to be a success and a success is knowing God. And then just following him and whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's what Mary told him at the very first wedding uh, feast in Canaan. Said, whatever he says unto you, do it. And Jesus told him to go get water pots and fill them with water and take it to the governor of the feast. He would think it's wine. You know, in the natural, that looked absolutely stupid. Here's somebody running up their white flag. You surrender. Amen. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Amen. And so they did whatever Jesus said. And you know what? It turned out to be the best wine. I can guarantee you, if you would surrender and just do whatever God says, your life would be better than you could ever believe it could be on your own. I know that that's scary to some of you because you are a self-made man and you've done everything on your own. How's that working for you? Man, you need to 
Just submit yourself to God and do that. And I guarantee it'll be awesome. Amen. So Father, we just thank you for this weekend. Thank you for bringing all of these men. Thank you for the things that happened in their lives to even get them here. I know that they had to persevere and And Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your presence being here with us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I believe that you have been speaking to people and touching their heart and drawing them to a greater commitment to you. Father, I pray that by the mercies of God that you would just open up people's hearts and help them to receive and humble themselves and let you transform their life and make them the men that they are supposed to be. Father, I pray that as they go back to their homes, that Father, there is such a dramatic change that it's going to affect their families, that it will affect their work, it'll affect their friends. Father, and I know it's a process, but I pray that it, it is, there's such a profound thing happen here this weekend that when they go back, they won't quit, they won't revert back to the way it was, but Father, that people will just commit themselves to you and start this process of loving you and renewing our minds to how good you are. And Father, I thank you. I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing that. I believe that you bring back to people's remembrance the things that you've spoken to them this weekend, that they will not forget it. That Father, these things will keep their heart in place. And we thank you, Father, that if if you tarry and we... It's a decades before we go to be with you. I thank you that in heaven we will be hearing testimonies about how this weekend started people on a new path, started making their relationship with Jesus come alive, and we'll hear all of the awesome miracles and testimonies that come out of it. So, Father, we thank you for it. We give you the credit for it, and thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, let me also say here that... um, We've got a lot of materials and stuff and I'm not promoting my materials, but I know some of you have really been touched and you say, where do I go from here? The most important thing you will ever do is renew your mind. And I've got a lot of materials. All of these other speakers, Arthur still has his materials. Greg has his books that he was advertising. Uh, You know, all of the CBC stuff, CBC is available There's no reason that somebody should leave here saying, well, I've been touched, but I don't know how to do it. You do not have that excuse. We've got enough stuff to keep you busy for at least five or six years before you come back and say, what else do I do? And I promise you, if you do those things, you'll be so up uh, in tight with the Lord that you'll, the Lord will be speaking to you and you'll be able to go on and disciple other people. So thank you for coming. Gary, do you have anything else you were going to say? Man, we appreciate this. I believe this is a life-changing week. So God bless you. Let's see. What? Exit the property. Oh, well, this is just a comment I had last night when I was leaving. I noticed everybody lined up in the left turn lane to turn left on the Highway 24. There's two left turn lanes there. So you can do a double left turn and get out of here twice as fast. Amen. (laughs) So thanks for coming. God bless you. You're dismissed.